Well, I've already greeted you, but it is great to be with you this morning. Uh, if you are visiting with us for the first time, welcome. Special welcome to um, a club here uh, that is visiting us for the first morning, the Sons of Joburg. Welcome to you guys. Really great to have you here. And for the rest of our visitors, you are just as welcome. And for everyone who shows up every week, welcome. It's great to have you guys here. So, this week, we are starting a new series. And I'm always excited about series because um, it means that we don't just hear it one week. We kind of hear it over a series of weeks. And, and it really gets the chance to just be rooted and grounded in our lives. Uh, so, this morning, we are starting with a series called Back to Basics. Back to basics, and, and, and in this, we're really just laying down some principles for successful living. I don't know about you, but a, a deep desire of mine is that my life will mean something at the end of the day. Isn't that the truth? That it's not just, like I said, punching the clock, going from day to day, and that's life, and then somewhere along the line, we die. What's that old saying? We pay taxes and die. You know, God help us that we don't live lives like that but that we really find God's fullness for our lives. So this morning I'd like to talk to you about some principles for successful living. Now whenever we think about principles for successful living and we're sitting in church, uh, we tend to kind of gravitate towards the book of Proverbs, isn't that? We go to the book of Proverbs, why? Because Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he gave us 31 Proverbs, one for each day of the month, uh, some spare if you're born in February. Uh, but ultimately gives us all these, all these proverbs that we can really get into and, and learn wisdom from. But, but we're not going to get into that today. We, we're actually going to go a little earlier on in the book, um, all the way to the book of Exodus. If you didn't think anything good could have come out of Exodus, pardon the pun. Um, today we're going we're gonna to find the good in Exodus. We're actually going to go to God's top ten. Uh, so when I was when I was studying, I used to love Bonnie Simon, uh, confessing my sins here this morning, uh, and and he'd kick off at ten o'clock at night, and I'd always have the radio on in our room, and whether we were studying or whatever it was. Um, funny enough, I was in Bible school, and that's what was playing in the background. Uh, so I'm, I digress. I apologize. Um, <laughs> listening to Bonnie Simon, he'd have a top ten, and you know it was all rock chart, and absolutely loved it. Um, but the truth is, Bonnie Simon didn't come up with the top 10. You know, 5FM didn't come up with the top 10. Uh, Metro didn't come up with the top 10. Whoever you listen to, who's at Yakaranda, if I've, just to cover all my bases. Sorry? LM Radio. I'm so disconnected, it's ridiculous. Okay. Well, the truth is that God had a top 10. God is the originator of the top 10, and we find it in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. It's called the Ten Commandments. Now, before I lose you all, I want to say that I've never been this excited about the Ten Commandments in all my life, um, because I believe that there is something in there for us today, right? Even though God gave us these commandments thousands of years ago, they are still as applicable to us today as what they were the day that he gave them to us. Um, it's important for us to know that these are not recommendations. You know, this is not where the waiter walks up to your table and says, tonight's specials are, 
And these are our recommendations. No, these are actual commandments uh, that God has given us. Um, and I believe that in the Ten Commandments, uh, they hold some keys to, to really living a, a successful life. And civilizations that have embraced these commandments have flourished. Not just embraced them, but, but, but applied them, have absolutely flourished. And, and those that haven't have, have ultimately paid the price. Now many people may see the Ten Commandments uh, as this list of rules, list of do's and don'ts. Uh, and to a degree, there's that component about it. But this morning, I want us to, to look at, a, at another component of the Ten Commandments. And I, I firmly believe that God is giving us more than just do's and don'ts. I believe that God is giving us principles that lead to successful living. So when God says to us, thou shalt not, and let's be honest, you can't talk about the the Ten Commandments without using the Old King James. If you use a modern translation, it just doesn't hold the same weight, does it? Like you need the the ominous clouds, you need the thunder and the lightning, and you need Charlton Heston. Without that, it's not really the Ten Commandments, is it? So when God says, thou shalt not, He's not saying this to spoil our fun or to ruin our day. But the truth be told, when God says, thou shalt not, he's actually doing it to help us. He's actually doing it to protect us. You might be confused at this point. Let me, let me explain it this way. So I've got a boy. He's, he's a couple of months away from being two. And when I look at his little life, he's so inquisitive. He loves machines. He loves so much. And, and one of the machines that is his absolute favorite is a motorcycle. So I'm glad he found salvation early on in life. But um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So my little boy absolutely loves the motorcycle. And, and so much so that he now commutes with me three days a week to school and back. So... Like the school thing, we're still trying to get him excited about. But the motorcycle ride there and back, he's loving. Um, and, you know, as we commute, uh, we get home. And if you know anything about a motorcycle on a hot day, as you stop, it, it pings. It's like, ding, ding, ding. All the heat off the motorcycle. No? Yes? No? Okay. It depends how hard you rode it. Okay. So... Stop at home, and the bike is piping hot. And my little guy is still, I mean, since we left to this point, he hasn't shut up. He's just talking, or he's humming, or he's singing. But when we stop, he starts pointing to everything on the bike. And in his own, like, communication setup, which somehow my wife and I understand, I still don't know how. But, you know, he's just pointing and speaking his own language. But we're understanding what he's pretty much trying to say but he's just communicating about this motorcycle so as he climbs off the motorcycle what does he want to do he wants to explain and touch and if you know anything about motorcycles if it shines it burns it's a fact why because it's hot so as he's all over the motorcycle dad's trying to get in between him and the motorcycle saying hey boy it's hot what am I saying? Zion, thy 
shalt not touch the hot motorcycle. Isn't that the truth? Why? Because I want to ruin his day? Because I want to spoil his fun? No, because I want to protect him. I want to keep him safe. I actually want him to enjoy the rest of the day. And it's the exact same, folks. When it comes to God's heart for us, what I'm really saying to my boy is, my boy, I don't want you to bear the consequences of stepping outside of these boundaries that I'm putting in place. If you stay within these boundaries, it'll be good for your life. I don't want you to bear the consequences. And in, in this way, I'm essentially giving my boy a commandment or an instruction. And I'm saying, hey, I don't want you to get hurt. So please, stick within these boundaries. Stick within these parameters. And that's exactly what God is doing with the Ten Commandments. God is giving us instructions, not because he wants to frustrate us, but because he wants to protect us and because he wants to help us out. He wants to see us live full and victorious lives in him. And ultimately what he's saying is, my boy, my girl, I love you so much. I don't want you to bear the consequences of this. I want you to live a full life in me. And ultimately, what we find in the Ten Commandments is, is a moral code for our own good. Now, whenever we follow God's instructions for our lives, blessing follows. Whenever we follow God's instruction for our lives, blessings follows. You go, and, you go and read throughout Scripture. Go and look at the different stories that we see within those 66 books. And we see this principle at play all the time. Follow God's word, blessing follows. Follow God's word, blessing follows. We know in our own lives, as we followed God's word, what's happened? Blessing has followed. In Joshua 1 verse 7 God says this to, to Joshua. He says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. And then here's the key line. That you may be successful wherever you go. Haven't you ever met those folks who you, you just look at their lives and, and it's like whatever they touch turns to gold. I'm not necessarily talking about monetary value, but just whatever they touch turns into a success. Wouldn't it be incredible if people looked at your life and went, man, whatever that person touches turns to gold. Whatever that person touches turns to gold. It's like that person is successful in whatever they do. And here God is saying to us through the scripture that you follow my word, Success will follow you. You follow my word, success will follow you. In the book of Psalms, chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Maybe we should be checking our friends list right there. Verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you catch what he says there? It, it, he delights in the law of the Lord. 
Verse 3, it goes on to say this. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And, catch this, whose leaf does not wither. But here's the, the, the kicker right here. Whatever he does, he prospers. Whatever he does, he prospers. I'm sure as we sit here, we'd all love to live a life that people look at us and go, man, whatever he does, whatever she does, it prospers. The Bible tells us that the key to a successful, happy life is following God's word. You follow my word and success will follow you. Now, as we're sitting here, some people are thinking that the Bible's a bit dated, the Bible's a bit old-fashioned. You know, how can we possibly be living our lives based on a book from 2,000 years ago? You know, things have changed, things have evolved. And the truth is, it doesn't really apply to us in this day and age, especially the Old Testament. I mean, that's even older. And, you know, we, uh, we look at the Ten Commandments, for heaven's sakes, that's the law. We live under grace, you know. Uh, it just doesn't apply to us anymore. And the whole thing about the law and grace, it's true, partly. Let me explain. Jesus said this in Matthew 5 verse 17. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish, do away with. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came not, uh, sorry, I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What's Jesus saying? I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. In the Old Testament, the law was written on, on tablets of stone. Again, that Charlton Heston moment. You know, Moses goes up the mountain, gets the, the, the tablets. God writes the Ten Commandments on, on stone. He comes down and gives the law to the people. Um, so, so the law was written on stone in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Bible makes it clear that God's law is no longer written on, on tablets of stone, but they're written on our hearts. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 8 and verse 10, it says, But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on the day. Hit pause there for a minute. You might be going, dude, I'm not from Israel. I'm not Jewish. I don't think this applies to me. But here's the truth. When we say yes to following Jesus, God adopts us into his family, and we become part of his chosen people. We good with that? All right, let's carry on. And God says, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. In Romans 2 verse 15 it says, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts. In Matthew chapter 22, there's this moment where uh, where Jesus is connecting with, with an expert of the law. And, and ultimately, to put it in modern day terms, a, a lawyer comes to try and, and like corner Jesus and, and, and catch him out. That's essentially what he's, what he's doing. And he, he asks Jesus, he says, hey, what's the greatest law? Out of all the laws, what's the greatest law? You know. And in that moment, instead of Jesus going and, and, and just listing 
the Ten Commandments, what does Jesus do? He looks at him and he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. Actually, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here Jesus is is showing that, hey, if you took all the commandments and just wrapped them up into these two, you could do that. You could go, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Why? Because when I love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, then I won't want to do anything that hurts him. Isn't that the truth? And if I love my neighbor as I love myself, I won't won't want to do anything that hurts my fellow human being. So Jesus goes and he, he sums up the ten in these two. And then he goes in verse 40 and he says this, The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. So what's he saying? He's saying, he's saying the ten commandments that I've given you and everything else that the prophets of old have said, all of that summed up can be found in these two statements. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. You see, Jesus wasn't doing away with the commandments at all. Jesus was saying, it's not this one or that one. Let's sum them up. Love God, love people. And if you do that, you're fulfilling all of them. My point is this. We can't see the Ten Commandments as obsolete or outdated. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with them. I came to fulfill it. But I think we should clarify one thing, though. Is that keeping the Ten Commandments is not a way of obtaining salvation. Keeping the Ten Commandments isn't a way of obtaining um, salvation, but rather... It highlights our need for a savior. Isn't that true? How can I say that? Well, let's look at the Ten Commandments. Go through the Ten Commandments. Have a look at them. Then create a scale for yourself between one and ten. And on each one, rate yourself. How are you doing? As you work through them, rate yourself. See how you're doing. So we might look through them and, and ultimately be able to say, don't murder Awesome. I'm styling. I got one. Well, at least haven't done that lately. So for now I'm good. Yeah. But as we work through them, if we're honest and we read through the Ten Commandments, folks, we probably aren't doing very well. Isn't that the truth? And as we look at the Ten Commandments, we realize that that they're really just a mirror reflecting our true selves. If keeping the Ten Commandments was our ticket into heaven, we'd all be in trouble. That's a fact. Why? (laughs) Because we realize, hey, I'm not good enough. I'm in desperate need of a Savior. 
And that's why uh, Paul says in Romans uh, 3 verse 20, he says this, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Thanks, Paul. Feeling great about myself round about now. But it's true, folks. The more we try and keep, the more we try and keep this, the more we realize, hey, I don't make the grade. I'm a sinner. We cannot successfully uphold the law within ourselves. We are sinful and broken, and we need Jesus, and we need his Holy Spirit every day. Every day. Paul makes it clear in this chapter that we're not justified by keeping the law. We are justified by grace and by putting our faith in Jesus as our Savior. And Paul goes on to say this in verse 31 of the same chapter. He says, well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. It's only through my belief in Christ and, and, and trusting that he is sufficient for this life that we can fulfill the law. In Romans 7, uh, Paul makes a very strong case that, that ultimately uh, it is through uh, that, that even though the, the law has no power to save, the law is not the problem, sin is. Romans 7 verse 7, it says, uh, well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. So essentially what Paul's saying is, the law is actually helping me navigate my way through life. If you think of Psalm 23, you know, he says, he says, um, uh, what does he say? Oh, my, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your laws comfort me, they direct me. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What Paul's saying here is that if it wasn't for the law, we wouldn't know that many of these things were wrong. In verse 12, he says, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. I hope this morning that this just settles in our hearts and our minds that the Ten Commandments are not obsolete or outdated, but that they are holy and good and right. So, let's look at the first commandment. Though we're only doing one today. <laughs> All right. And as we look at the first commandment, remember the story that I told of Zion. You know, that, that it's not for punishment or for Taruni's day, but ultimately to protect him and, and, and to ensure that, that he actually enjoys the rest of his day. And, and as we approach the commandments, we need to approach it from that point of view, from that perspective. So Exodus 20 verse 3, we find the first commandment. It says, 
you must not have any other gods but me. And then in verse 5, God says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, as we read that statement, he's a jealous God, it shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because we all understand jealousy. Isn't that the truth? And I believe that the jealousy God's talking about is actually a healthy jealousy. It's a jealousy that, that a husband would have over, over his wife or a wife would have over her husband. It's a, um, like, I don't know any guy who really, really loves his wife that's willing to share her. Do you? I don't. I don't know, I don't know any guy who, who goes, you know what, I really love my wife, but it's okay, I don't mind if she sleeps with other people. It's fine. She loves me. I love her. We're good. No, heck no. I think that there's something drastically wrong if, if we're living in that space. I'd question my spouse's love for me. I honestly would. And I believe that, that this is God's heart for us, that he'd, he doesn't want to be shared. You know, well, he doesn't want to share us with anyone. You know? He says, hey, I'm a jealous God. Do you know that one of God's names is actually jealous? Interesting. One of his names is actually jealous, and it doesn't come out of the book of imaginations. It's actually in the Bible. Um, It's Exodus 34, verse 14. It says, Do not worship any other gods, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, with a capital J, is a jealous God. Do you now understand why? The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. Why? Because God's jealous. And it's a good jealousy for you and for me. In Isaiah 45 verse 5, it confirms this. It says, I am the Lord and there is no other apart from me. There is no God. Basically what the first commandment is saying this. Put me first. Give me priority in your life. Put me first. God's saying to us, put me first. Give me priority in your life. So what does that look like? And and what does that mean for you and for me practically in our everyday life? If God has priority, if God has priority, and if God has priority in our lives, it'll show. It will show. How will it show? Well, I believe that one of the areas it'll, it'll show is by what we do with the first day of our week. You know how it works, eh? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Look at any calendar. It starts on Sunday. Why? Because it's the first day of the week. We're going to get into the principle of first now. But ultimately, I believe that when, when God is a priority in our lives, we'll, priority, we'll prioritize Him on the first day of our week. We'll pr- prioritize Him every day. But I believe that there's something significant about giving Him that first, that f- the first couple of hours of the week. What am I saying? If God is a priority, it'll show in showing up here. Now, I know you probably think I have to say that because I'm the pastor. But it's true. If God's a priority in our lives, this will be a priority. If God has priority, it means that coming to church is a priority. This is exactly 
uh, what we're doing today. Think about it. You here, so well done. We, we're there already. And I know that as, as I look across this auditorium, there's a lot of you sitting here where church is a priority in your lives. How can I say that? Well, because you always sit in the same seats. So I know when you're not here. It's a fact. So I know, come Sunday, if those two chairs are, are empty, Candace and Henry are not here. And that hardly ever happens. And I know that when those two chairs are empty, one of two things is happening. Either they are sick or they're out of town. Why? Because church is a priority. Sorry for picking on you guys. But, but I know that, that to them it's priority. So if those chairs are empty, if those chairs are empty, I had another attendant right here. Um, if those chairs are empty, I know that something's off, something's wrong. I should give them a call. Why? Because it's a priority. And, and I really want to honor you guys. There's, there's several of you sitting in this building this morning where it is a priority in your life. You've said, I'm prioritizing God with the first couple of hours of my week. Why? Because I want to set the tone for the rest of the week. And then there's some of us where you, you, it's not really a priority. You know, Sunday morning wake, you wake up. In fact, it kind of happens on Sunday, Saturday night already. Isn't that the truth? You go to bed and it's kind of like, oh, what are we going to do tomorrow? Are we going to go to church? We're going to go to church then for a breakfast run or are we just going to skip church, go for a breakfast run? Uh, or should we wake up in the morning, flip a coin and maybe go to the movies? You know, it's a very viable option. It's been a rough week. I've had a long weekend. Let's see how it goes. We'll just wake up and see how we feel. Those friends, we haven't seen them in quite a while. Maybe that's what we'll do on on Sunday morning. And I want to say this. If if that's the space that you're living in, (laughs) we'll give you grace. But I pray with all my heart that this year becomes a priority in your life. Not so that we can fill seats on a Sunday, no, but that you can start your week off on the right foot. That you can start your week off going, Lord, I desire for your input into my life. Why? So that I can set the tone for the week to come. If God is a priority, then coming to church will be a priority. I believe that with all my heart. I thank God. I grew up in a, I, I grew up in a home where coming to church wasn't an option. Now some of you are thinking, Ramon, you were the pastor's son. Uh, you didn't have a choice. You're right. I didn't have a choice. I tried a couple times. If I wasn't in church, it was because I was on a drip somewhere, you know, or in a coma or something like that. But there was no way I was getting out of church. And at the time, it frustrated me. I didn't even like it. I didn't like going to church, if I'm honest. Pastors shouldn't say that, hey. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't like going to church. And every week I'd get dragged to church. You know what? Today I'm so grateful for that. Because there came a day where even though growing up I didn't have a choice, a day came where I had a choice. A day came where I then had a choice. Do I go to church or I don't go to church? But you see, I saw what, what, what coming and connecting with God's family did in my life. I saw the fruit of it. So the day that I finally had a choice, do I come or do I stay away? I chose to come. 
Even now, when I'm on holiday, I don't stay away from church on a Sunday. I go to other people's churches. Why? Because it's fantastic. No one knows me there. I show up, I worship, I listen to the message, I'm loving it. I'm the guy who goes to the info desk and asks all the questions, take all their pamphlets and things. It's fantastic. I get to be that guy on holiday. It's wonderful. I don't have to dress like this. I can go in slops and shorts and, you know, when it's normal, not formal. But I love it. Why? Because I realize even on holiday, man, I, I need that connection. I, I need that input into my life. I even go to church on Sunday nights. Oh, you didn't know that, did you? I do. Go to other people's churches on Sunday nights. Why? Because I, I value the input into my life. Now that you all feel evil, which wasn't my intention, jeez. Let's move on. Folks, if God's a priority, this will be a priority. All right. And this, this thing of me saying, giving God the first few hours of, of, of the, the week. Here, here's what I believe. I believe that this principle of, of putting God first runs right throughout the Bible. When the Israelites entered into the promised land, when the Israelites entered into the promised land, their first obstacle was Jericho. And they went and they took on Jericho and they conquered Jericho. And, and God said to them, hey, all the gold, all the silver, all the wealth, all the riches, I want you to bring it to my house. I want you to, to, to bring it to the temple of the Lord. Why? Because it was the first city they conquered. It was the first city they conquered. God said that whenever, throughout Scripture, whenever they'd harvest, He said, bring the first fruits. Whenever they, they had little lambs, I, I want the first little lamb, bring me the first. But Lord, what if I only have two lambs? Give me the first. But what if I need two lambs? Well, then you'll need to trust me for more. You'll need to trust me for more. See, and it's not a, it's not a monetary thing. It's a heart thing. It's a trust thing. You see, that's what pleases God, is our faith, putting our trust in Him. Throughout the Word of God, it says that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. God wants us to give Him first. And the rest of the month, we'll trust Him. We'll trust Him. The principle is this. Put God first. Trust him with the rest. So, I'm going to tread where I shouldn't tread. But the truth be told, putting God first, do we put God first in our lives? Do we really put God first in our lives? In all areas. What about our finances? Do we put God first in our finances? Now, if you're not a regular attendee in, in, in church, um, I'm sorry that you did pick this Sunday. Uh, because we don't normally talk about this. But it's a biblical principle that we can't just ignore. Or else I'm not doing my job properly either. 
Do we honor God in our finances? Do we put him first in our finances? But Ramon, you don't understand, man. I've got bills to pay, dude. I really do. Like SARS is knocking on my door at the moment. And I need to pay SARS. And once I've paid SARS, I really need to pay DSTV because, you know, like I need MotoGP in my life. It's just the way that it works. I desperately need, you know, I know they say money can't buy happiness, but money, money can pay for a DSTV subscription, which gives me MotoGP, which is very close to happiness. So I need, you know, I need to pay SARS and I need to, I need to pay my DSTV subscription because it's important. And, you know, then I've got my new motorcycle payment. I've got to do that every month. And then my kids have to go to school. Lord help us with school payments. That is a ridiculous amount of money. Um, and once I've paid my school fees, then I'm not saying this is a must. I'm just saying it's a, it's a want. It's just a, we'd like to. No, I'd like to just take my wife out for dinner every once in a while. And I'd like to take the family out for, for dinner once in a while. And then, and then once, I've, once I've done these things, you know, then if there's anything left, then I'll save some. You know, then we'll save. And, and then after that, if there's anything left from that, then, well, then we'll give either to the God or, you know, a charity of sorts. And that simply means that God is not first in that area of our lives. He's not a priority. What it says is that SARS is a priority. And some of you are like, dude, try and explain to SARS that you're not paying them. I get that. What it says is that DSTV is a priority. What it means is that my motorcycle payment, that's, that's a priority. And then something horrible happens and we lose our job. Who do we run to then? DSTV. Help. I'm not going to do much for you other than cancel your subscription. But then, then I'm on my knees in tears and also, Lord, help me. I need, please. And God's just like, man, if you just, if you just put me first, I'll take care of the rest. Put me first, I'll take care of the rest. Essentially, there are five things I can see. I mean, this is just the sort of preaching that makes people throw money. Um, there are essentially five things that we can do with our finances. We've said it. You can spend it. And generally, if we're honest, we're very good at it. Very good at spending. And if we're really, really good at it, then the second thing that we can do with our money kicks in, and that's repay debt. In fact, okay. Um, third thing we can do with our money is pay taxes. Lord, help us. Fourth thing we can do is save. And then the fifth thing we can do is give. Now, if you've been part of this church for a while, you'll know that we, we all, whenever we talk about these things, we talk about give, save, live. And you'll see that the first three are pretty much living. The fourth one is saving, and the fifth one is giving. But those are essentially the five things that we can do with our money. And for the most part, this is the order of priority in our lives, isn't it? Spending then paying for the things that we couldn't afford at the time, then paying taxes, and then if there's anything left, we'll, we'll save. And then after that, if there's anything left, we'll give. 
And do you see how God is usually last and, and not first? And all he's saying is, hey, put me first and trust me with the rest. This, this principle of first, as I said, uh, so often we look at it and we think, but, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an Old Testament, it's, you know, it's law, it's under the Old Testament, blah, blah, blah. The truth is, this thing supersedes the law. This thing, this thing comes from way back in the beginning. There were these two people called Adam and Eve. They had two sons, Cain and Abel. And the scripture shows us this, this moment where, where God shows favor to Abel with the offering that he brings, with what he gives God. And then God doesn't look favorably on Cain. And I had a massive problem with the scripture all the time. I really thought that God was into favoritism. Uh, and then I, I started to understand what was going on here. Here's what the scripture tells us in Genesis 4 verse 2. It says, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Did you catch that sentence, that little line, in the course of time? In the course of time. That doesn't mean the very first thing that Cain did, the first harvest, he went and took his fruit to God and gave an offering. No, it said, as time went on, in the course of time, as time went on, he figured that he should go and gather some stuff and take it to God. But Abel bought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Did you hear that? Of the firstborn. Abel brings of the firstborn. Cain brings from somewhere along the line. God looks favorably on Abel. He doesn't look favorably on Cain. Come in. Folks, and this is a principle that runs throughout Scripture, long before the law. Um, in the book of Proverbs, it says this, Proverbs 3 verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. Jesus says this in the book of Matthew 6 verse 32 and 33. Now, I use the Scripture a lot because it's, it's kind of like one of my life Scriptures. It honestly is. But I found it in a, in a completely different translation, and, and it just says it so beautifully. He says, why be like pagans who are so deeply concerned with these things? What are these things? Eating and drinking and just making it through life. So why be like pagans who are deeply concerned with these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he's giving you all you need. From day to day, if you live for him and make him, uh, sorry, and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Jesus is saying that he'll provide for you, he'll provide for me, he'll give you what you need if you put him first. See, this is not a money issue here, as we've said. This really is a trust issue. It's a, it's a heart issue. Do I trust God enough? 
the worship team's welcome to, to make their way up. The principle is this, folks. When we look at the, at the first command, what we're really saying is, put God first and trust Him for the rest. That's what He's saying to us. That's that, 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 that first commandment is, trust me, put me first, and then trust me for the rest. As we sum this up today, I believe that as we, as we look at the principles for successful living, what God is really saying to us is, you follow my word and success will follow. You follow my word and success will follow. Basically, what God is saying is, put me first. Give me priority in your life. And success will follow. If God has priority, it will show in many different ways. It will show in us showing up here on a Sunday. It will show in our obedience to following His Word. It will show in spending time with Him day in and day out, week after week. And it will show in our giving to Him of our first fruits. Whenever we put God first and we follow His instructions, what happens? Blessing follows. I'm going to repeat that. Whenever we put God first and we follow His instructions, His blessing follows. I don't want to say I don't know about you because I do know about you. I might not even have met you, but if there's something that I know about you, you desire to be successful. You, des you desire to see good things come from your life. You don't desire to battle and stumble and struggle throughout life. I don't believe that for a minute. I honestly don't believe that. I believe that every single one of us sitting here desire to live full, rich lives. And I'm not talking about money now. Rich, fullness of life. I know many very wealthy people who definitely don't have fullness of life. Why? Because I've spent time with them. So I know. They're miserable. But I believe that when we honor God and when we, when we follow His Word and apply it daily to our lives, success follows in our lives. We have fullness of life. Whenever we put God first and we follow His instructions, blessings follow. Father God, this morning we just... Lord, I know that this morning was even a, a, a tough message to preach, never mind hear. But Father God, I thank you for the relevance of your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I know that you're not interested in shallow relationship, Lord. I, I thank you that, that, that if there's something I know about you, you're not interested in a one-night stand, Lord. You're not interested in just having our hand. Lord, you want our hearts. Father God, you want our hearts. You want our all. 
So Lord, as we've spoken through so much scripture this morning and just spoken through these principles, Lord, Lord, I thank you that we don't get caught up in the detail this morning, Lord, but that we just use the detail to paint a full picture of of your heart for our lives, Lord. Lord, that your heart for our lives is so much more than my heart for my son, where I, I so desire to see him not get hurt, but to have fun, to have a good time, to go on to do great things with his life. And as a result, I, I build certain parameters in place, certain principles that he can live his life by, that he can succeed, Lord. And I thank you that your heart is so much more for us, Lord, that you desire to see us not falling into all sorts of stuff where we can get hurt, Lord. But Father God, that as we just honor you and follow your principles for successful living, Lord, that that is exactly what happens. Lord, that you come and that that you guide us, you direct us, Lord, and that as we follow your word, that in our lives, success follows. Lord, this morning, we recognize our need for you. We recognize our dependence on you. Lord, I thank you that you come and throughout this week, you come and speak your truth into our lives, Lord. We love you, Lord. These lives are yours. And Lord, if there are folks here this morning who've, who've never actually said that, who've never actually said, Lord, this life is yours. Lord, I, I'm going to put you first in my life. I recognize this morning that you're a jealous God and that, that you actually want me for yourself. You don't want to share me with my stuff. Lord, that right here this morning they can start a journey with you going Lord here's this life teach me show me what it means to follow you so Lord we pray your blessing over each person each family here this morning Lord as we head out into our daily lives Lord I pray that you'll be such a reality in our lives Lord that that we will be able to display and live that reality and, and, and represent you accurately before our friends and our family and, and everyone that we come into contact with, Lord. We give you all glory and all honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. It was great having you here with us. And uh, if you are here this morning and you are taking part in our Engage uh, segment this morning uh, if you have no idea what I'm talking about then that means you haven't got a phone call yet and that's also okay uh, you will be receiving a phone call um, but if you are part of our engaged group this morning we're going to be having engage off to the, to my right your left uh, we'll be kicking off at about uh, 11 um, beyond that the rest of you please stick around have some coffee chat to someone and have a wonderful Sunday thank you for being with us